Welcome to the Small Business Surgeon Podcast, the show where we dissect the businesses of top producers, examine their growth strategies, and share with you the bare bones of their success. I am your host, Samuel Smith, and I'm glad you're here. Let's operate. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to this week's episode of the Small Business Surgeon Podcast. And this is an episode, guys, I've been trying to put together for like two years. So getting this guy, it's like bottling an Irish mist. He is the Chief Happiness Officer over at Break Free Academy, the founding partner of Monumental Voice Media, and he is a dude with a smile so big, you cannot help but be infected by it every time he rolls past. Please welcome to the show, Danny Galvez. Danny, welcome, sir. Oh, Samuel Smith, you small business surgeon, you. I, I can't, I'm sorry. I feel that compulsion every time. I, I know. I, English friends. Dude, I thought I was yeah, going to do yeah. the intro in that voice so I would take that power away from you, but I let it go, <laughs> didn't I? I should... <laughs> no, I appreciate it. And and it's great to see you. Um, You know, my last name, Galvez, is kind of a joke. It's a very off-color joke, but it's kind of one of those things. You know, there's certain... You know, people that show up late and my last name is Galvez and I'm true to my name. It's in my DNA. There are just there are some truths about humanity that exist and I'm living that stereotype up. So what what does Galvez uh, mean? I I don't know the stereotype. Help me out here. Oh, okay, Yeah. So Galvez is a Spanish surname and uh, we have something in my family. I'm I'm half Mexican. You wouldn't know that by my parents. I'm very, very milky white because my mother is very, very Anglo. Um, And, you know, looking at ancestry, I show up Irish, English um scottish let me see where else i could i could see the scotch and irish in your beard there yeah i'm here yeah and i come in i my, my family came through the iberian peninsula and you know we're jewish russian there's we're a good mix of everything at least i am so um we have something called mexican people time though and that's where that comes <laughs> from it's like my cousins they'd be i had my favorite cousin i'd come to houston to visit and say hey man are you coming through i'm in town and he's like yeah i'll be there in an hour I was like, okay. And he would show up like an hour and a half, maybe two hours later, sometimes three hours Dude, that later. is definitely Mexican time. Oh my God. I'd forgotten about that. I, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, used, I used to run around with a little Mexican buddy and he would do the exact same thing. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm on my way. And I'd be sitting there and be like two fucking hours later and he'd finally show up. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's annoying. I mean, if you're flexible in time and you're, you're as liberal as you say you are, then okay, you're going to be okay with those kinds of people. But mm-hmm. if you're very regimented a type personality you like to check boxes and you're organized and you want things to happen promptly and on time it will not happen so <laughs> ruin your world yeah so yeah that's the truth man so dude for those of the listeners that that don't know who you are and you know aren't a part of the whole uh break free academy uh ecosystem dude you've got such a such a crazy background story um, but start us out of being a, being a DJ and, a, and an events guy and, and go from there. Give us a little background as to who you are, man. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, uh, again, thank you for having me on the show and, and I appreciate you. you know. only, only took two years, bro. I know, I know that's, <laughs> uh, that's how it goes. So hopefully I'll make it worth the wait for you, but I got to tell you, there's, um, I was raising a, a family of, with five children and it was a military family. It was a blended family and we didn't have a lot of resources to go to college or anything like that. My parents would tell us, you know, Hey, listen, when you're 18, you're out of the house and you're on your own. If you want to go to college, great. Good luck. There's not going to be any resources for you. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. No problem. I was ready. I was always a hard worker. So I went to college for a semester, got into some great schools of my own cognizance and my grades. They weren't the greatest, but I got in and one was an engineering school. One was a poli sci school up in Wisconsin. And, 
I went for a semester. I settled on a, a regular state school to study psychology because that's what you study when you don't know what you want to. That is in. so true. <laughs> that's so true. That's what I did. In, I did that for pre-college. I did psychology and sociology because I had no idea what I wanted to do. And uh, by the time I was finished with them, I, I knew I didn't want to do them. <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. But you know what? Looking back, it's probably one of the best things you can do because any and every business that you operate in, whether you work for a company, mm -hmm. have a boss, or you're mm -hmm. an entrepreneur or solopreneur, you are going to have to work with people and you have to understand the way they think. So absolutely. Um, back to college, I went for a semester realizing and woke up one night, hey, I'm paying for this. Do I want to stay here? You have a choice. There's that empowerment part, right? It's like yeah. you actually own a choice. I dropped out. And I had made accommodations. I wanted to study singing, vocal performance. So I went through that process. I started playing piano and I was, I had to audition for the men's choir at the neighboring college. Oh, wow. Town. Yeah. So there's, there's a lot that I did. I got to the place where that year we were supposed to go to the Viennese festival. Mm -hmm. And I think president Clinton was in office or was to be there. And I was excited because nobody in my family had done anything, but I had also made the choir of 299 other men that mm -hmm. had auditioned as well. Again, financial strife kept me from moving forward. So I, I was heartbroken and I was mad, but I was very determined. So I went home for about six months. I worked as a dairy manager and I went back to my guidance counselor at high school. Oh, and wow. I said, yeah, I, I did. It's a really interesting because at that time we didn't have as many options, but I went back to her because I knew I wanted to work with people. I knew I wanted to entertain. I just didn't know how, but mm -hmm. I knew I needed to have skills to actually get to that place where I could qualify to do both of those things. I just needed the opportunity right, for right. people to know, hey, I, I got this drive and something in me that that's pushing me for this. And she said, hey, here's a pamphlet. This is for Brown Institute. And it was in Minneapolis. It was a technical school for anybody in graphics, computer science, radio and television. And that's what I did. I auditioned for a scholarship because I didn't have any money. Mm -hmm. And by the grace of God, Sam, I won the one scholarship they're giving what? away that year at school. Dude, well done. Like, yeah. what, why haven't we heard you sing? Like, what's going on here? Um, like, come uh, on. <laughs> well, I've been out of practice, you know, singing, using your voice as a muscle. Oh, so yeah. yeah. I've, uh, I really, um, I've suppressed it and I don't like it. But you know what I realized recently? is that I really enjoy singing. It makes me happy. Mm -hmm. And so I've, I've, I'm not going to give you anything today, but mm. <laughs> I'll tell it's you like this. Going to break I, out Ness and Dorma, huh? Yeah, yeah, I could do that. That's a lot of what we were singing, you know. Ness and Dorma. There it is. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was, I was in the thick of it, Sam. I love it, and, man. Uh, I loved it. That's, uh, I'm talking to the point, you know, when you can get the human soul to rattle at such a high vibration mm -hmm. that you start excreting tears and you don't know why that's at the level that I was, I was carrying my energy into, to singing. And so when I couldn't continue on that path, I was like, okay, I still have to use my voice. It's always been powerful. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it wasn't, it had nothing to do with the ego. I think the ego and, and early, you know, young adulthood, we, our minds play tricks on us right. and you know, we're battling between the ego and who we think we should be and what society is throwing at us. And, you know, we're trying to battle through all the, the, the splits and the ties and sexual identity and politics and, you know, upbringing. I was raised Catholic. So I had, I was doing battle with 
views that didn't fit who right, I was. Right. Right. So I get through radio school right out of school. I land a, a job in a top, top rated market. It was in Minneapolis mm-hmm. and it usually doesn't happen, but I came in part time. I was doing music research and I would call people and I'd play songs for them. And it was a country format at the time. Right. So I would play the Kenny Chesney's and the Tim McGraw's and I would sample audiences and mm-hmm. their opinions and I would report them to the music director. And I did that for probably about three weeks, four weeks. How, how on earth did Billy Ray Cyrus make it through? Was that, you know, was that your fault? No, you know, I wish I could say that at that time I had short hair, but I did get to see him in concert. He was one of my first major concerts. No kidding. <laughs> yes, it was great. Um, I did. I saw Chicago and some of those other bands, like mm-hmm. legendary bands, Tony, Tony, Tone. You know, in the in the in the nineties, I got to see them. Um, even got to see Bruce Springsteen. Oh wow! Um, yeah, during Fourth of July, it was fantastic. But Billy Ray, I saw him at the end of an airstrip in Jacksonville, North Carolina. There were seventeen thousand people there, and I was probably less than twenty yards away from him. And I remember going, this guy's got tight jeans, a ripped shirt, and he's got a mullet. Mm -hmm. And I was in awe because I thought, (laughs) he's getting paid to do that right there. Yeah. I think every guy wants, like secretly, they want that look, and they want a 1977 Bandit Trans Am with T-tops, and they want a packet of cigarettes stuck up under their shirt sleeve, and they want a can of Natty Light in the drink holder. I think every single guy secretly wants that, you know? You're right. You know, I'm not going to lie. I used to smoke too. So that was, you know, I used to roll my cigarettes up in there and mm-hmm. uh, it was I mean, fantastic. Zach Sasser has a mullet worthy of a third gen Camaro and I can't get him to drive one. No, I know. You'd think he would, you know, he's, know, he's right? a truck. Yeah. He loves trucks. He really loves trucks. Um, I know. I know I'm not, I like fast cars. I'm a Cadillac dude. So oh, yeah. CTSV, yeah. CTSV kind of, kind of guy. Yeah. ATS. ATS. Oh, yeah. I got the girl version of the Cadillac, but that thing zips around. It is, it's in and out of traffic. I love it because when I'm back and forth to Dallas for yeah. Apex, man, it gets me where I need to go. I love it. Yeah. So, um, my radio career was great. It was fantastic. It spanned about 17 years. I became a copywriter, producer, editor. Can you do um, the radio voice? More, you know, I there's not really. So here's the secret, and this is something that people are probably making millions of teaching people authenticity. Right. And right. I used to think because, you know, back during that time in radio, people would be like, it's, you know, KDWB, 101.3 KDWB, your home for hit music radio in Minneapolis. And uh-huh. <laughs> that wasn't everybody's voice. The guy that I went to intern for sounded like this. He was like, uh, welcome to 101.3 KDWB. My name is Tony Fly, and this is the <laughs> Tony Fly radio show. Wow. And- this guy was so over the top mm-hmm. at the time that I went to intern for him. I was maybe one year and two jobs into my radio career. And he was wild. He was the number one DJ for seven years running, nighttime DJ. And he dominated in the Twin Cities. People knew who he was. He came from Minneapolis and um, uh, not Minneapolis, but uh, New York right. City. And And it's amazing because this guy, they loved him like crazy there. And he was the right flavor. Prince would call him from time to time when we were in the studio and they would invite him over. They, they sent a car for him one night and brought him to Paisley park. And I really learned a lot from him. The number one thing I learned from him though, 
I said, if you had one piece of advice, he's like, go where you're loved. Mm. I was like, what do you mean? I said, why didn't you stay in New York? Your family's there, your mom's there, your every, your sisters. He's like, go where you're loved. He's like, that's the rule. He's not wrong, dude. Like, He's not. Mm-hmm. I stayed there for a year longer than I needed to. I think the first week I was there, he told me, he said, I listened to your tape. He goes, you're ready to go, man. He goes, you can go and get a job. I didn't have the belief in myself. And um, I felt like I needed more. Right. But it was great to have his name on my resume because I could take that to the next opportunity. And um, it was wonderful. I was, uh, I was able to, to understudy with somebody who was proven. He was number one. And I did something that less than 1% of the population anywhere in the United States was able to do. I think, I think you've overestimated that percentage. It's, it's probably 0.01 of a percent, bro. What, what you did was, was very, very special, man. Don't, don't sell that short. <laughs> <clears throat> oh no and i appreciate that and you being a musician sam you understand this very well mm-hmm. um you know talent gets talent talent sees talent but sometimes talent on the come up you don't know how good you are so what do we do we go to the people that we look up to our mm-hmm. mentor yep we almost we almost go to battle with them because we want to see if we're better than them at that stage <laughs> right what, <laughs> what is it mate you always want to be the best musician and and, and and when you are it's the best fit and then then when you're not you're just like oh i gotta go practice more it's it, it's like being it's like being the top street racer and having somebody beat you and then you go man I got to go get a faster car it's the same thing in music man when 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 you pick up licks and riffs from from, from guys you're like man I, I need to go practice more you, know, you always want to be the best in the room you really do and I think that's a that's a secret for life too it doesn't matter what you're doing whether you're husband boyfriend wife mother father son brother cousin employee contractor business owner. It doesn't matter. Human being, period. Constant improvement is going to get you a little bit further, even 1%. Like, if you just do 1% more of the work, you're going to come out. That's what it's all about. Uh, yeah. Times ahead of everybody, right? Did, did I finish ahead of where I was yesterday? You know? And uh, like I, I tell everybody, you don't have to win every day, but if you can win four days out of seven, you won the week. Like, come on, man. That's that's good. That's, that's better than you were doing, right? I think, One million percent. Yeah. Yeah, I think people hold themselves far too high on that standard and, and, and they get beat, beat themselves up if they slip. And I'm like, man, yeah, you slipped today, but look what you did for the last 25 days in a row. Come on, man, a slip's okay. So That's right. It's going to happen. You know, as long as you don't make it an excuse or a reason to slip. I right? know, right? Yeah. Right? That's, where, that's where it gets to be detrimental to a human being in their development. I had to get rid so. of all the cake in the fridge. It's gone. No more cake. <laughs> you threw out the cake. Threw out the cake. <laughs> threw out the cake. I've, I... <laughs> Dude, there's still a there's still a fat kid that lives inside of me, and I have to I have to beat him every day. And you know, I beat him about 28 days out of the month now, so I'm I'm doing pretty good. But uh, it's a lot easier when there's no cupcakes in the house. You know, it's and I agree with you too. It's it's amazing. You know, anything we do is training. So whether it be a job, you know, in my case, you know, I was able to last 17 years in radio, and I even did that in a fractional sense. But what I did was teach myself the ability to have a little bit at a time, mm-hmm. but still make the maximum impact, so I could carry it to the next journey. In between, there might have been, you know, catering jobs, restaurant jobs, right, sports, right, right, host and. Um, same thing with food, right? Right. I had a food attachment for a little bit and, and I would say, listen, I got to stop with the sugar. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Okay. Saturday night I can have cheesecake or I can have wine or, 
you know, in my twenties, there were no rules. Right. So, I you know. know. Right. What's up with that? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I wake up skinny every day and looking sexy. Uh-huh. I'm 20. Who cares? Right? <laughs> now, now I'm 40 and bits are falling off me and I don't know why I'm fat. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like, I stared at the cake. I was just looking at it and it's like, it, it attaches mm-hmm. itself. Yeah. So yeah, it's been, it's been wonderful. Um, you know, my career took me into a place where, like most people, um, you know, my case, I, I got to a place, I had a son at 25. And so I was a, a father pretty early. Yeah. And I was juggling radio career, my desires, wants, wishes, and dreams. And now I started putting limits on myself because now I had, I had assumed this new identity and I definitely wanted to be in his life. Right, right. So, sure. you know, I stayed in one place for a long time. I stayed in Minneapolis area for about seven years, eight years. Um, between there and Wisconsin, worked at some radio stations and, you know, did whatever I had to do to support myself. Um, built a prison, worked on a construction crew, drove, drove a forklift and skid steer. So I wasn't afraid of hard work, but the money wasn't always there. Financial, there was always right, a big right. cloud over me as a as a DJ. And I couldn't, I couldn't, it didn't make sense to me because I thought, man, I got all the fame, the glory, and the paycheck of a you know, an underpaid janitor. Well, that's yeah. What, yeah. You know, yeah. but looking back at it now, so many years later, I go, wow, all I was doing was practicing for today. Hey, man, I love that. That's that's just the right outlook to, to take. So, yeah. dude, how did you get to Texas? Or is that, Texas. Ju- is that jumping too far forward? No, <laughs> no, no, that's it. So I remember um, when we talk about at the end of my seven year time term in Minneapolis, I was living in a rental house and I wasn't even working in radio at that time. I was working at two restaurants. I was working at an Italian restaurant where mm-hmm. I worked. I met a guy named George Sarah. He's a chef and I would work nights there. And he taught me about wine, about being classy, about dressing appropriately as, as a young man, mm-hmm. um, about culture. He was married to one of the Marriott daughters. Oh, wow. And they had seven children. Yeah. It was amazing. He was one of my mentors and I had met him just after he had attempted to pull the trigger on himself. Oh, wow. Probably one of the most well-educated, well-studied and well-traveled men I'd ever met in my life and loved that guy like a, like a dad. Um, and thankfully he was there because I needed his guidance and his friendship at that point and the tough lessons too. So I met him, I was working at a restaurant there. And then during the morning, I would work at a sports bar. So 9-11 comes, just waiting tables. I really have nothing holding me to Minneapolis except for my son, his mom. We had a very tumultuous relationship. Right. And I end up uh, holding my son in the living room and I see the planes hitting the towers. I was awake that day. The painters were painting the house, getting ready for the new tenants to come in. Isn't it funny how you just, everybody remembers exactly where they were when they saw it or when they heard about it. It's just one of those, one of those life moments. I felt that panic. It was like, Oh, Mm -hmm. all my family was down in Houston. Mm -hmm. So I said, you know what? We're going to Houston. I talked to my girlfriend at the time. She's like, yep. She's like, let's go. And we did. We left October 1st and got to Houston. Wow. So that's when I got to Houston. I got to Texas. Um, My father was born here. My great grandparents, my grandparents were living here for all of their lives for the most part. Um, After they got from Mexico, came over from Mexico. We we Uh, got we got here right around the same time then. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you've been, you've been in, yeah, you're, we're officially Texans now. You have to be here at least oh, 25 years. I, you know what? <laughs> I was just thinking about this the, the other day because Andy Frisella was talking about the border wall and Texas and, and things to come. And I thought, well, you know what? There were Smiths from England at the Alamo. So I'm down for Texas. Let's go. <laughs> I was going to say, you know, my curiosity too with, with natives though, from other countries is how do you manage to keep your accent? Because you would think, after so long that you would lose that yeah um this isn't my my native accent what is your native accent well it'd probably shock you if i switch back to how i normally talk i mean alt vowel sounds are much 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 shorter words are contracted uh you can tell with ears the way they drop like that and so yeah it, it's very hard for for people in america to understand a, a proper yorkshire accent so i don't really use it a lot because you know, just because of how fast I talk and, and of how contracted words are, it just makes it hard to understand what I'm on about. Anyhow, so uh, yeah, that's my uh, that's actually how I really sound, and this is just a, this is a put on voice that I've been putting on for like twenty fucking years, so people can understand me. The minute you I talk, must... the minute I talk to my brother, the minute I talk to anyone from home, it switches back immediately. <laughs> that's amazing. So you talk very, you talk very like you're like you're from Yorkshire, because I haven't studied many of the 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 dialects in in England. Yeah, but, yeah. So you're talking with like a, a posh type of Queen's English type of dialect. There's there's all there's so many dialects. I mean, um, you know, you you can have the, the the Cockney London accent. You can have the posh Southern accent. You can have the posh Northern accent. And and like the the difference between the two is, you know, Bath as a short A and Bath as a long A. You see, and there's, there's all kinds of um, like regional accents because of how travel was within the country back when the accents developed. So there's, there's very, very distinct accents between regions. Manchester has a different accent from Liverpool. They're 30 miles away. Uh, Leeds has a different accent from York. They make the A sounds differently. Like local people can tell where somebody's from to within like a few miles. <laughs> it's, uh, it, it, it's real. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and then like it's when, when somebody says, can you do an American accent? It, it's not really an American accent, though, is it? it? It's a Texan accent, or it's an East Texan accent, or it's a Mississippi accent, or or whatever it is. So I do practice American dialects, but I'm not. I'm not going to let one out on the show, man. I'm not there yet. <laughs> oh come on, just a little bit. I wasn't going to sing. Let's hear one. Oh my goodness. Um, I, I don't know. Um, put me on the spot now. I could be like a, a Methodist, uh, a Methodist pre, a Meso- Methodist music minister. Okay. That's always a good one. Well, well, you know, they, they said they was going to bring the casserole, but we then Betty didn't bring it, and well, well, now there's no food. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. You know, so, but, but they're all different, you know? Yeah, did you ever see the movie Sling Blade with Billy Bob Thornton? <laughs> I did not, no. <laughs> oh, man, okay, no. listen, that's a must-watch. We got a long weekend coming up. You've got to watch that. Okay, uh, let me write here. that down. Sling Blade, right? Sling Blade, yeah, he's a, he's a, he plays a character in there, and he talks about mustard and biscuits, and uh, he's just very, you know, he very keeps to himself, uh, probably slightly autistic, but he's a very, very, very protective man, a very violent man, but uh, right, right. He's, he's got a good spirit about him, so kind of talks like he's Texan, it's great, yeah, I love it, I, I love accent. I understand that, son, I really yeah. do. Now. Yeah, good. See, that's good, man. I skin, love it. Skin that smoke wagon and throw down, boy. <laughs> there you go. Good. <laughs> See, I did practice that. There, there are a few, a few phrases I've got down. It's from the movies. <laughs> no, I love it, man. 
I love it. You know, it's funny, you, you start playing with voices, and that was the side of my career that I really loved. I spent a lot of time in studio and really practiced, and I would mm-hmm. stay late at the radio stations and put in my time and practice. And right, right. eventually that led me to getting into, I was never like the big voice announcer, you know, like, Friday night, we're going to be going down, you know, to the blah, blah, blah. We're, Sunday, was, Sunday, yeah. Sunday, the monster truck yeah, guy. Yeah. Those guys, yeah, I used to call those guys the Suckamapukas because they were more in love with hearing the sound of their voices. Suckamapuka, it's 75 and sunny. And they were more they were more in love with the tone and resonance of their voice. You know, smoke a pack of cigarettes and be like, it's sunny and 75. Yeah, I told her. I was the one she's been waiting for, right? And, <laughs> you know, like you sit there and, and you listen to people and you say, but that guy didn't say anything to me. I'm listening for substance. Right. I'm listening for true connection and content. And um, I was very good at that. Mm-hmm. I would do storytelling type formats with the commercials that I would create and the clients loved it. They were engaged. I liked using sound effects to really make that impact or um, use pattern interrupts, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Like when the drummer stops drumming, everybody's like, what the hell happened? Who turned off the electricity? Uh, it's right? a, the bass solo. It's time to leave when the drummer stops. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> the bass solo, yeah. yeah. I never see people get down going, oh yeah, that's some good bass. Some good like, bass, like, man. Good bass. <laughs> you see that bass solo? That was wonderful. Um, yeah, that's, a, that's, that's one of those things that kind of, that process led me into getting curious about audiobooks and things like that. So I move into a family dynamic. I have two more children. I get married. I'm settling down. I have a big house, a big backyard. I have a wife that's I overmarried when I got married, which was a wonderful thing. If you're single and you're going to get married, you might as well overmarry. That means you, so, you outkicked your coverage. Is that what you're saying? I did. Yeah. I don't know what happened. I think it was right time, right place for her. And she's like, I need a baby right now. And you look good enough. So um, it was I think I was uh, <laughs> I was a paper bag Danny for her. So um, we we had a couple of children, and I had to get serious about my career. I wasn't going to go back into radio. Right. So life got real, and I said I'm going to go into the mortgage industry. I learned that from the ground up. But at night, I started developing something for myself, and that's why I started doing voiceover work yes. on various channels, and then audiobooks. And I taught myself with the help of a guy named Bill Deweese. He's out of Chicago, but. He turned me onto that with his free YouTube content. The videos, you can mm-hmm. learn anything from YouTube. Oh, right? I do. I do. Like every day. It's incredible. Yeah, I, it's, it's been, uh, and you know this better than anybody because that's a lot. I mean, you know video. You know mm-hmm. like what it takes, where to find, you know, great marketing ideas. And if you want to troubleshoot and figure something out, it's right there. Um, but I learned that. I amassed 40 audio titles to my name. A lot of them were erotic in um romance you know you know that's exactly what i'm working on now thanks to thanks to our conversations between you and with jeremy that's exactly what i'm working on (laughs) how are they going dude i have everything set up and i'll get to recording them and listen back to them i'm I'm just not quite sure yet i'm just i just i'm still practicing but i I made all the accounts i've got everything set up on twitter and on on facebook and everything else and I, i got a i got a pseudonym I got, I got a pseudonym. I'm going to type it in the chat and you can decide whether you read it out or not because <laughs> I've got one of those too. Some of the books that I read were very controversial or they were just things I wouldn't want to attach my name to. Right, right. Been. I don't want to I don't want people to know that I'm reading erotic fiction, but there's so much market for it. It's so much fun. 
um, to I like to sit here, I like to narrate I like to tell stories you know I, I for for the longest time on Facebook I did them for free just sat there and read stories on, on, on a night and it, it's great practice with the accents and the, that's why I practice the dialects and all that different stuff so you can have transitions between characters you see <laughs> oh he just you read the name or, no I say I had to I had to look I was pronouncing it in my head Andy came in her <laughs> Dude, that gets a prize. Listen, yeah. I can't wait until you drop your book. You have to like let us all know because I'm gonna read. I'm gonna listen to those books. Andy came in, or that is a brilliant name. Um, mine, here's mine. This is mine, but mine's mine was a little more highbrow. Augustine Poe. Yeah, mine, oh. mine's definitely mine's definitely not. Um, yeah, yours is yours is yeah. When people think eroticism, they're gonna be like, "Yep, I'm gonna listen to that." Book I'm gonna instead. read that one. Yes. <laughs> Um, I was more like, oh, look, it's Augustine Poe, dark, mysterious, right? Well, Sad. Yeah, but like you laugh, but like when you start breaking these audiobooks up into chapters and putting them out for sale on, on like platforms like OnlyFans, I mean, there's a serious amount of revenue to be generated by doing something that's fun anyway. So, have you done that? Have you gotten that far with putting them? on like only fans I've, or anything like that i've not but i've i've created the only fans account and i mean you can go subscribe to it there's no content on it i haven't like haven't made it and i think my biggest drawback is or my, my biggest uh setback maybe is is not trusting the the female voices that i'm that i'm voicing you know that's that's the when i listen to it back it doesn't quite sound right you know you know so there's a very subtle and i did a lot of research on this too because i have a lot of female characters and one of my books um it's a ghost of a promise it mm. it is about a man named jackson hello my name is jackson welcome to ghost hunter series mm -hmm. and his mom was from colorado his father was from england right but he had two accents so when he wasn't on the show he would drop his accent his love interest was ava so since jackson had a higher voice i took ava's down and made it more a little bit deeper a little softer so just that subtle difference so you could know like when mm. jack's speaking versus when ava was speaking and there were also seven other women voices inside of the the script it was really mm. meant for a an ensemble cast right my right opinion. right it, dude, it's so much easier when you have a script as opposed to just reading it from a book um it's yeah. so much easier when it's laid out like a script and what what i have to do is i have a little little spreadsheet up on the screen while i'm reading and then i can see which character i gave which accent to so i don't overlap and get the accents backwards um because i've done That's, that before i've you know what i've done that too i've gone through a whole book and gotten to the end where you discover oh wait that person had a different accent or they're from mm. a different location yes yes right? yes, yes yeah and uh, that's why it's so important, especially like with audiobooks, to read all the way through mm -hmm. because they'll leave little clues and hints. You know, John, who was from Philadelphia, right, you know, right, right. And 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 I I do that, and then I I read the paragraph, and then I decide how it's going to sound, and then I attempt it. You know, I don't just read the book. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, it's well, I tried to. I I'm, I tried that at first, but I made one mistake on that. I had to reread the whole book. I had to re-narrate it. And um, I remember those are some of the lessons that I learned in that process of, mm. of doing that. But um, the editing portion of it, I did everything on that. It became like a one-man production book, audiobook production shop. Mm -hmm. and it was it was some of the most formative 
times in my life because I was married. I was uninspired because marriage after a few years, it'll dull out if you don't stay on the same page. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, you can act on that. Mar marriage is a, is a, is a complex machine, you know, and it needs every, every so often it needs a couple of good little screws to, to fix it. Yeah. And you know, those screws are, what are they date night? They're, mm -hmm. you know, doing something for yourself, you know, mm -hmm. um, as my, the biggest complaints right. that I had in my man circle was uh, with dads was, yeah, my wife is always complaining that she's doing everything. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, or she never has time to do anything for herself. Right. Mm -hmm. And those are like, those are those little screws that you, you have to put them on a checklist because if you're not getting your needs met and she's not getting hers met. Nobody's going to be, nobody's happy. happy. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it can't be one way or the other, you know? So, and yeah, it, it's, it, it is hard like to make that time uh, and to do that. It's, it's very difficult. Not just being married, like any, any long-term relationship you have to remember, I got to set aside time for this. Otherwise it doesn't get done. And otherwise the, the screws don't get put in place, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's, it's interesting too, because you know, what you want at the beginning of the relationship may change in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. And you're constantly having to do an update, almost like a relationship check-in and say, hey, how are we doing? Are we still doing okay? Do we like doing what we're doing here? Mm -hmm. Are you are you happy and fulfilled with your life? So um, is there an expectation of an end, right? Or <laughs> when I say that, I mean, there's always like a goal line. I was dating someone and there seemed to be like this mad jaunt to the finish line. And that finish line was move in together, get married, go on vacations buy another house, raise kids. And I was like, ah, that's not what I want at this point. And that's hard. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's a tough proposition. It is especially coming from, you know, well, I've got nobody up in my shit. <laughs> like that's, that, that is tough. Cause you're, you're giving up, like you, you're giving up one part of life to go and start a fresh part of life that that is you know it, it's more appealing in, in one way absolutely you know so you, you got to weigh that up but yeah it's a, i'm not bitter against anything i'm just not open to it like i used to be because <laughs> you know it's like i've met people it's funny you meet people and they've together 20 years and they're like i wouldn't go and do that again mm -hmm. okay <laughs> well yeah you know you got a you got a few gray hairs mate you know you've learned a thing or two that's that's yeah. just how it is you know so uh yeah um anyway shit where were we going with this what's next oh yeah no yeah no we no it's great we're talking about everything on the podcast today so that's what it's about um, yeah it really is um you know development it's been a lot while you know like it's been a couple of years since we've talked and um you know, during that time and you too, I mean, I, I know you've been busy. You've been very quiet. Like I went looking for you on social media and I was like, oh, there's Sam. And I saw you, but it's like, it's funny how you get these random thoughts about people in your head. You're like, I wonder how they're doing. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I think at the time that I found you though, you were madly in love. So I was like, oh, let me just, uh, let me just circle back to him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. So it, it's, it's really great to to connect and I'm glad that we're here because um you know last couple of years has been they've been work they've oh been god yeah 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 and yeah. like I go quiet when I don't have a lot to say um you know part of it's part of its fear of judgment there was a lot of fear involved in in closing down Texas media foundry 
Um, and there was a lot of fear of judgment involved when, when we went so, so deep into Soapbox and the funding didn't materialize and the investors backed out. That, I mean, that, that crushed me. Well, how do you say that out loud? And so, yeah, I'm going to go be quiet. I'm going to put my nose to the grindstone. I'm going to figure it out. And then you see uh, February, I just, I folded everything up. So I'm going all in on small business surgeon and the results have been incredible. Like, I don't know why I didn't do this two years ago, except for confidence and, you know, paranoia. Yeah, you know, and that's, we were talking a little bit about that before we got started. And that's, that's relationships. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we're in relationships we don't belong in. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we have friends around us or people or influences that we don't need to have in our lives. Yeah. And, and, and it's the right there. We can right? be reluctant to let those go, though. I mean, especially long, long standing relationships. I mean, um, you know, my, my partner in the Media Foundry, Tex, he and I didn't part. Um, we, we didn't part at, at war. It was very amicable. It was just like this. This isn't the way either one of us wants to go like in the future, you know, but it was still a very, very difficult decision for me for me to say to him, look, this is this is not this is not my direction anymore. You know, that that, that relationship's a, a 15 year relationship and we work together for seven, you know, so it's, it's a tough one. It's like a marriage almost. And nobody wants to admit failure. Nobody does. I, but it's also great to keep going. I think there's some, there's a there's a dichotomy there of of the human spirit that exists. Right. I, I think we did a, a wonderful job with Media Foundry. Um, I don't think it failed. I think it was that when the investment for the soapbox project that we worked on, um, it was such a big project. Then it, it was our only client. And when that investment collapsed, like we both looked at each other and said, "Right, do we want to?" Do we want to build this again and go go out and get, you know, 15 more clients and do this again? And I'm like, this is a really good stopping point for me to step off this and, and actually go. And because and, I've been wanting to be the small business surgeon forever. I mean, I've been I've been doing private consults with clients over two years. I've just been working them around the media foundry stuff and around the real estate stuff. And my passion was not being like fulfilled. <laughs> so I, I just folded those others up. You know, I don't. I don't consider it a failure. I consider it a, a, a solid foundation for the next step. And, and if everybody's businesses can be like that, it, it'd be great lessons, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I, I wouldn't compare it to a failure. I'm just saying the actual act of quitting. Oh, yeah. Has failed, right. Mm -hmm. That's uh, that's why I keep doing what I do. I've, I've had people look at me and doubt me and go, hey, why are you still doing that? Why would you do that? How come you're so faithful to this? And it's because I'm not a quitter. And I also know that if I'm going to leave anything or end or terminate or whatever you want to call it or separate, mm -hmm. I'm going to leave it better than I found it. Yes. That's why we get along. I have, I have to. Yes. Yeah. I, uh, that's where the commitment is. So to, to end it, it's heartbreaking. And, and even if it's like, you know, that's a choice. It's like, I know I need to go on that path, but this is going to break my heart if I stop now, because I know if I leave this in a mangled mess, that I haven't fulfilled my initial intention here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, and that's, I, I approach life like that as a father and, you know, as a son and a brother. And it's like, where can I make improvements work? Right. Mm -hmm. As a contractor, somebody who, you know, builds businesses, makes connections. Um, I've been liberated Sam in the last two years because I finally, I finally have gotten that concept of, have the discussions with no expectations. Right, right. And I'm happy. I'm happy that you've got all of your stuff set up. I'm happy that you are narrating your books. 
because that's what it was. It was a conversation of like, Hey, what do you want to do? You're like, I want to do this. I was like, okay, great. And we talked about it and you've been doing the work. Well, you said, like, go, you said, go do it. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know? Yeah. Mission accomplished. Right. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like, I'll tell you everything you want to know. And now you got to go do it. And so when I started seeing that, I was like, that's fantastic. Sam is <laughs> like, I felt there's a validation inside of me, right? Because right. when you share your knowledge and wisdom with somebody and they don't do anything with it, you're like, oh, okay, mm. right? Did I waste my time? No, it's just practice for the one person that's going to listen to you and take action. So uh, I salute I salute you, sir. <laughs> I can't wait. I mean, there's, there's, look, I, it got to the point where, you know, I'm doing this for clients all day long. And, you know, I... I I do borrow uh, from Build Your Machine. I borrow heavily from uh, EOS. Um, You know, and I do this for my clients all the time. And I'm just sitting there going, you're an idiot. Do it for yourself. (laughs) Like, do it for yourself. Like, literally, put yourself through the exact same program you put your fucking clients through. Like, all right. So uh, about a month ago, I started, like, building my machine like that's why you see all the video content that's why you see all the podcast content it's why you see like everything i'm doing it's why you see me go work out in the mornings all that it is just it is not necessarily for my benefit it's so that the people that are my clients will see that doing this shit is possible it is hard work but it takes commitment and time and it does work and so yeah that's the why why i didn't why I didn't hire myself as my own coach a while back. I'm not sure, but now I treat myself as my own client and it is wonderful. Mm. And that's, <laughs> that's some gold, Sam. Well, that get, is gold. They get to see it in real time. Like they do. And, and that's, that's the trade off. They go, oh, oh shit. Well, if, if this guy can do it, then I can certainly do it. Cause I don't sound nearly as silly as he does. Right. And that's, and you know, what's great about that too, Uh, you know, that confidence, like you can't bottle confidence Mm -hmm. if you can do that. But the way to get that confidence is to do the work, you do the reps, right? Make the mistake and then help someone else. And it's a real simple concept, but we just overlook the simple things because our brains, we just can't get out of our own way sometimes. And we all suffer from it. Man, you know, it, it it shocks me that my clients won't reach out and make calls to their top 25. And yet I'm sitting here with, with no top 25 list. And I'm like, wait a minute. Like, <laughs> but, that's but, right. But dude, when I built the real estate company, first thing I did, top 25 list, boom. When I built yeah. the media company, first thing I did, boom. I'm just, just sitting here going, I should probably do that. I'm telling my clients to do it. It's a bit hypocritical. And then the minute I start reaching out to my top 25, boom, half of them know who I am. And I, I close, you know, I close podcast guests and, and it, it's great, man. It's great. And you just have to have that confidence in yourself to, to, to know that it's okay to reach out. But man, we all do it. We all go, oh, you know, I don't think he'd want to talk to me. I, I don't feel confident enough to, to, to hit that guy up. Maybe I'll just, maybe I'll just skip it for today. And then before you know it, you skipped it for a week. And then you're on another coaching call with me and I'm just going, guys, what the fuck? <laughs> right. But there's still, there's almost like that imposter syndrome that creeps up because you know, you didn't do it yourself and you're like, yeah. oh, and that was the conclusion I came to. I was like, hey, you've got so much knowledge, wisdom and experience and people have like held you up. Ryan Simmons has been my biggest supporter just yeah. in terms of allowing me access into his network. And I came in as a client too uh, on a lower scale, but you know what? 
I kept doing the work and then he invites me to his company and I have access to all this wealth of knowledge that people would love. Like they're saving their hard earned money to get into the right. network. It's an incredible you know, group, dude. Incredible network. It really is. So I'm like, I owe it to myself and to everybody else that I served and to continue to serve mm -hmm. inside of that network to really know how to build my machine inside and out so I can be of a higher value to them. Absolutely. And, and help them move the needle. Oh, you're stuck. Where are you at? Okay, let me come in. Okay, then we have to do this, 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 and this. I'm going to walk with you, but I'm going to push you. You have to do the work. <laughs> and, but it, it's great too, though. And I think, I think that passion and that drive and that desire and that support comes from the place and it makes you a better supporter of that client that you might have mm -hmm. if you've done the work yourself. Oh, and that's absolutely. And, that's and, what and for me, it's so I can say, hey, look, here's what happens when you do. This is it. This took me three months. This, this is what the six month progress was. But, you know, I notice a lot of questions in Apex about what do I do? And I'm like, well, where are you at and building your machine? And they're like, oh, well, I didn't watch the videos. I'm like, well, <laughs> you might want to start on day one. I mean, I don't know. So there's, I, I run out of polite ways to say watch the videos. <laughs> yeah, you know, it really is. And it's like you can even draw a big red arrow to it and watch the videos, you know, it's even during the onboarding process. A lot of my position with them is it's, a, you know, my title's chief happiness officer, but what does that mean? At the end of the day, all the questions are answered, all the services are fulfilled mm -hmm. and it's a, an ongoing relationship because it's personal evolution, right? You evolve, you get the basic stuff done. Great. The thing that held you back here at this mindset is not going to hold you back at the next one, yep. but you're going to have an other limited limiting beliefs and mindset around something else you want to achieve right how do you get to that next level it's it's like it's like the video game it's like you you, you got to do that first level beat the first boss you get the tools from beating the first boss and you carry those tools into the second level and then when you face the next boss you get more tools and and like that's that equates so well to business man it really does and and you know the there there's a there's a method to it and it's proven and if you can do that, rinse and repeat, that's all you have to do. And it collapses time for you. You don't have to spend the 12 years or 20 years that any individuals, no, it, like my collective experience is the thing that helped qualify me to get into Apex. Mm -hmm. Me being a self-starter and deciding to narrate my own audiobooks and do voiceover work from my home on the weekends and build a mobile DJ side hustle was the thing that qualified me to get on the big stage. Right. So- I could come into a room with other entrepreneurs and I've had to build my own machine and, and dive into other things so I could keep growing with people like you. So I can keep growing with other successful entrepreneurs. <laughs> I needed to know the struggle Dude. of, Hey, can I make payroll? Hey, can I afford to hire more people? Mm -hmm. and, and I said that from the standpoint of like, that was a real thing for me. Like I put my son on payroll in my company. We produce podcasts and audiobooks, but I put him on, I made the mistake of putting him on payroll before I should have put him on like, like on mm -hmm. a salary before yeah. I should have put him on salary. Mm -hmm. So like that painful, just a simple lesson of like, holy smokes, I overextended myself. Now I'm mm -hmm. digging into my pocket to make sure he gets paid every two weeks. We've all made that mistake, pal. You know, um, oh. the, there's, there's nothing, nothing worse than, than scratching your head and going, well, where the fuck's payroll coming from this week? Like, <laughs> but there's nothing that'll make you call leads and work phones either quite like that pressure. Like, you know, because oh, it's, cause it's that, that was one of, you know, looking back when, when COVID came around financially, I'd have been better off if I shut my businesses down, walked away and uh, went to the beach for a year 
I lost oh. so much fucking money keeping people employed. Like, it's so much because I felt like, no, this is the right thing to do. They don't have any way to pay their bills. We're, we're going to get through this as a fucking team. But, like, truth speaking, like, I'd have been better off shutting it down at the start of COVID and going to the beach for a year, and I, I could have come back and still had more money. Like, it was a very expensive uh, expensive time. But as as a entrepreneur, you are responsible for the livelihoods of the people that work for you. Like, the buck stops with you. You can't just turn around and be like, sorry, guys, you're fucked. Like, no, it's, it's they work for you. They are giving their lives, the times of their lives, to help build their dreams and your dreams. It is your fucking responsibility to make sure they pay their house payment, even at the detriment of your own savings account. Amen. You know, that couldn't have been said any better. And that was that was the thing that I was so happy that I had evolved to that point so I could make a good decision as a steward of that business. Mm -hmm. Because, again, a business is not a person but it supports all the people in it, mm -hmm. right? Including the clients, the employees, the contractors. Right. It gives them that peace of mind. I mean, if you think about it, it's, it's not a hard, it's, it's not a hard, it's, it's not as hard as you think it is, but you have to be tough. I, I just, <laughs> I don't think people think how hard it is. It's really fucking hard. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. right. I mean, when you're learning, if you don't have a mentor, you will hit every single mistake that we all make. The best thing I did was was paying for coaching and paying for mentors to help me. Because it's not that I wouldn't have figured it out, but like you said earlier, dude, it, it collapses time. It 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 you know it injects experience into you, and it, it cuts down the amount of time it takes you to learn it, and it. it cuts down the amount of stupid mistakes that you have to pay for. Because there there is there is an idiot tax in business, and it's 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 quite a steep tax. It's, it can be very expensive. Sometimes it's at the detriment of your integrity, mm -hmm. self-esteem, um, your bank account, like mm -hmm. you said. Yeah. And I, I, it's wonderful, this journey that, that we get to go on every day. And we do have the flexibility, right? If you want to take Thursday off, take Thursday off. Yep. You might have to come back later on the next day or maybe work another 18 hours the day after. Mm -hmm. But if it's worth it for your peace Dude. of mind, you can do that. Man, you know, so sometimes I'm working till ten or eleven o'clock at night, and sometimes I take the day off. That's just—I mean, there's never a day off, but there, there might be an hour's worth of tasks to do. But like, pretty much, um, pretty much, I work most evenings. Then I added school to the list, so obviously that's keeping me busy too. So, what are you studying <clears throat> in school? Oh shit, um, artificial intelligence and machine learning in business applications. <laughs> it's a postgrad—it's a postgrad program from UT. <laughs> This is brilliant. I'm glad you're doing that. Um, part of my last, just the last eight months for me has been that deep dive into um, AI as well. A lot of it's not not in a formal classroom setting, but I've been going in and buying softwares and mm -hmm. testing them out. Oh, me too. Isn't it yeah. fun? Isn't it fun? It's so much fun. Like, yeah, it's great. This this entire content is is our avatars talking, and nobody has a clue. It's all AI. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, hello everyone. My name is John Smith. Right. Uh, it, <laughs> Yeah, I've played with some of those. And, you know, it's funny when you talk about AI, there's there's kind of a disconnect, and especially as it pertains to your voice. Mm -hmm. um, do not think that the robots are going to do all the work for you. No. Uh, there's an element. This creates another demand. So also, this is where there's still an opportunity. The robots are going to come along, and people are going to love it, and everybody's going to use it. Mm -hmm. um, people are still looking for authenticity. Mm -hmm. They're still looking for a genuine connection 
with other human beings. You cannot replace that. You cannot recreate that except between two human beings. <laughs> so, you know, as you're going through that process, for example, let's take audiobooks. I was doing some research and I learned that ACX, which is owned by Amazon mm -hmm. and distributes Audible, Amazon, and iTunes will not allow for AI generated voices to be used. Oh, that's great. That's great news. Isn't that great? Yeah. yeah. So um, that is a wonderful thing because if that were the case, it would level a whole industry. Number oh, one. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. Right. Um, number two, and not saying that they won't do it in the near future, but the AI has not gotten to that place where it's uh, you can still tell it's AI. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I just just out of curiosity, I I recreated my voice and it was quite good. Um, but it, you could definitely tell immediately it wasn't me. You know, that's interesting. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, and you probably see those too, even with images and things like that. Protecting your image and protecting your name and your brand and your voice, all of those things are going to be very important. Um for many reasons in the near future that you can't even conceive of right now. Um, a lot of people will use it for dark, dark things. Oh, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Frame people, you know, dark psychology manipulation. It'll, mm -hmm. it'll be used to frame people if you watch, especially with news. That's always been, you know, <laughs> one of the things that's like... Yeah, but like <clears throat> the, the, the Germans and the Russians were, were putting out Photoshop pictures in World War Two. You know, like the the altering of, of news and stuff and, and propaganda is, is nothing new. It's just that this is going to make it pretty much impossible to differentiate between what is real and what's not. So I, yeah. I don't know. I wonder there might be a, a whole lot of uh, a whole lot of blackmail videos start to come out. Like there was one there was one the other day uh, manipulated the stock market by $500 billion by posting a picture of the Pentagon having been bombed. And it was a complete AI picture. It ran around, it ran around Twitter faster than, you know, because a lie will run around the, the world before the truth has even got his boots on. Um, Ooh. That's a Terry, a Terry Pratchett quote right there. But it's, it's very true. And the lie ran around the world and the stock market blipped just like that, $500 billion in, in two hours. And then it went back to normal. So could you imagine if somebody was doing that on purpose? <laughs> that's it's if it's been put in a movie, it can happen. So that's I well, believe that's possible. But I, we're in time. I, I said we would I said we wouldn't go to conspiracy theories, so we won't. However, if you if you watch the film Kingsman, The Secret Service, have you ever seen that movie? It's uh, I love it. All yeah. of them. <laughs> it's a, well, the first one from 2015, it's, a, it's that British spy movie, and it's Samuel L. Jackson's The Baddie. Go and watch it again and take from 2020 to current date into context when you watch the plot of that movie. You, you, you really should. And then, then share your feedback. And you guys listening, too, watch Kingsman. Uh, the first Kingsman movie, and because uh, you know they've got this, uh, they've got this little chip that they uh, that they've got. They got this little SIM card they're giving away free in the phones, and they activate a uh, activate a frequency, and everybody goes mad, starts killing each other when they activate this frequency. And uh, it's because they got to depopulate the planet, and here's how they're going to do it. <laughs> like it's uh, it's pretty spooky shit when you watch it back. But like that's something hanging out when Nina taught me. Like nobody. Nobody just sits there and like invents a movie. It's all based on stuff they've seen and then a fabrication maybe on top of that taking artistic license and stuff. But every single movie has its roots in the truth, which is... Yeah, it really does. 
you know, and it's and it's everything to do with what politics, uh, social, mm-hmm. so the current current uh, theme of what's happening in society, you know, and then you know you got technology, right? You've got you've got a multitude of finance. That's another one too, mm-hmm. right? So you've you've got all of those themes that are present, but it's all programming and conditioning. So oh yeah, um, yeah, but it's great, you know, procuring the most purest message that you can. Start with authenticity and being yourself, and removing all of those things that don't belong, all of those self-doubts, like Sam, you had mentioned earlier, like not having that confidence or believing you can. And it's yeah. as simple as that. But then, and, and I, you and I share that. I struggled with that too for a long time. One thing I found out by, you know, meeting successful people is that half of them are, are quote unquote successful. And it's just, it's just what you see on the outside. And all of them put their trousers on the exact same way that you and I do. They, That's right. They've all got the same fears. They've all got the same they've all got the same imposter syndrome. Even guys with tens of millions of dollars will sit there and have imposter syndrome and be afraid to speak on a podcast or speak on stage or any of that kind of stuff. So it's, it's very, um, it's very interesting that the only thing that separates us is, is the numbers in our checking accounts. We've all got those fears built in and, um, it, it, it applies to every single level that I've ever run across. Yeah. It's amazing. And you know, you talk about that and after having officially had my, you know, my podcasting journey, I started producing podcasts because somebody went to jail that was on the team and <laughs> we're getting out like, we're like, Hey, where's that guy? Is he okay? And we're not judging him because he went to jail. He just, he got caught up and, um, we're like, where's the producer for the podcast? We're like we can't get hold of him. So Stuman came to me and said, Hey man, can you produce this? I'm like, yep, I sure can. And I took it on because, you know, mm-hmm. that wasn't one of my duties or jobs and it was already covered and they were working on other stuff, but jumped in i've been producing the rewire podcast for close to three years now oh wow um, well done. yeah it's, it's been a while so yeah. i went in i tightened it up and and i found a lot of idiosyncrasies and things that were missing and pops and clicks and kind of mm-hmm. cleaned up the the audio and but one thing i will tell you is you know doing that that was the the seed for me to create this iteration of my business and i did that for a year i acquired some clients probably made it up to like maybe 10 clients and then I got to the place where I hit, I hit the ceiling like most businesses mm-hmm. do. You know, you're a solopreneur doing it as a side hustle and you yeah. can't go any further. I was working, you know, long hours, long days and doing all the technical stuff too, the technician work and, you know, handling the billing and all, everything right, that goes along. Right. And I finally, I was editing a podcast one day and I found this guy that was on there. He's a musician, Jeremy Schreifels. Yeah, I love Jeremy. He's, he's been on the great. show. He's been on the show. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Jeremy, mm-hmm. um, uh, he and I have a Minnesota connection cause he lives in Minnesota, but he's also a drummer, right? He's mm-hmm. a musician, a producer. He's, you know, he does everything. He was producing a Christmas album in the fall, but mm-hmm. I basically got on a call with him. Like we got on and said, mm-hmm. Hey man, you're leaving money on the table. Let me show you how you can make money with podcast editing. He's like, okay, great. With no intention of anything else. I just wanted to meet him and he's an apex. Right. And next, you know, we struck up a friendship. And we just started transacting and doing business and uh, we've grown our company quite a bit and it's been amazing. We officially started January 1st mm-hmm. and we were moving our way to becoming a very profitable company very quickly. Well, congratulations, and, man. It's, yeah, uh, thank you. I think it's, uh, again, it goes back to the collapsing time when you mm-hmm. get the right talent, the right people with the right mindset in the right room and they have mentors. Right. And people That's like it, you yeah. that can advise them on where they need to go. 
and how they need to not make the mistakes they made. Yeah. That's when the magic happens. My my man, it, it I've said this before on the show and I hope people pay attention, but it is harder to make the first $10 profit than it is to make the first $10,000 profit. It's it's building the model and making the profits the hard part. Once you've got it profitable, scaling it is is, is much easier. Um, getting it profitable is the challenge. So well done, man. Well done. Thank you. We're excited and we keep working. Uh, this week we probably had more appointments and uh, than anything. And I say that from the standpoint of not we're not doing the active sales model. We don't have it perfected. Mm-hmm. There's still stuff that's a mess in the back that we're we we haven't even created our operating agreement. Right. No, dude, nothing's, <laughs> nothing's perfect. Nothing's perfect. But like progress is progress is progress, man. You know, that's and, imperfect uh, action. You know? Yeah. I mean, because otherwise you'd just be sitting around going, hey, man, we should start this company. Like, yeah. you know, you're already further down the road than that. So you, you're, you're the epitome of just being 1% better today than you were yesterday. And, you know, maybe tomorrow the operating agreement will get done. Whatever. As long as I'm 1% better, we can keep moving this forward, you know? Amen. Imperfect action. The moment you think something, make sure you do something about it. Mm-hmm. Because that's, that's the only way it's going to stick. And it'll, keep, it'll stay there as a reminder because you took that action. You validated yourself in that moment. It's like, here's the thought. Here's what you get. Here's your mm-hmm. gift for the day. Mm-hmm. You keep asking the universe for things. They show up. But if you keep swatting them away by not doing the work, then that opportunity is going to go to somebody else and they're going to do it. Absolutely. Yeah, completely agree. All right, Danny, man, this has been a, the fastest hour ever. Um, this was a no note podcast. We have just like completely run through it. I haven't asked you a single damn question. Um, <laughs> but my man, I've, I've really, really enjoyed our time together. I will ask you a couple of questions before we get off. Okay. Okay. So as chief happiness officer of Apex and as a guy with a few gray hairs and a lot of life experience, if you could reach back to yourself at 20 years old, or if you could talk to the stereotypical 20-year-old that we run across, what's one piece of advice that you could give them to put in their pocket and take away from the show? I would have gone through and developed more skills. Mm-hmm. I would have gone to tech school, but it never crossed my mind, hey, maybe I should go be a plumber or an electrician or do something in a very short first period of time. Um, I would have acquired more skills faster. Yeah. Wow. That that's, that's strong. Dude, you know, my mom, she always used to say, make sure you've got plenty of strings on your bow. Ooh. Yeah. Like, because if one snaps, you got another skill, you can back it right up with that. And my fallback skill was always construction. And then, you know, now I'm at a point where my fallback skill you know, is, is, is law. You know, that's my fallback. So I'm, I'm okay. But like, it, that was another string to my bow when I was in my twenties. That's what I wanted to do. And now I'm putting a, now I'm putting an artificial intelligence uh, and machine learning string on my bow so I can be in those conversations and, and be in those rooms to so do that is some excellent, excellent advice. All right. I got one more question for you, Danny, uh, for those of the listeners that have enjoyed hanging out as I have today, I certainly have enjoyed it. Where can we find you on social media? Where can we follow along with you and, uh, where can they learn more about your podcasting and audiobook services? Fantastic. Um, and thank you, Sam, again, for having me on. It's been a pleasure. Um, all my really huge honor. Um, so you can follow me on social media, Danny Galvez. I happen to have an AI generated picture. It's probably the most elite version of myself <laughs> and probably what I'm going to look like in the near future. So it, it gets a good rise out of the ladies. So, um, and then also on Instagram at Danny Galvez, the number two, you can mm-hmm. find me there. 
And then you can go to monumentalvoicemedia.com. That's where you can learn all about our podcasting and some of the audiobook production projects that we're on right now too. Brother, and future. That is perfect, man. Um, we will put the links in the show notes. Uh, dude, thank you so much for coming on. I, I really appreciate you, man. And, uh, and, and guys, that's Danny Galvez. Please be sure, go to his socials, show him some love, follow along and tell him that the Small Business Surgeon sent you. Danny, thanks for coming on the show, man. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Sam. Ta-ta. <laughs> All right, guys. That's going to do it for the show for today. Please go show Danny some love. If you've enjoyed the show, run over and leave us a five-star review. It really does help to drive the listener numbers up and spread the message. All right. That's going to do it from me for today. You'll be good. Stay safe. And I will see you this week for Friday Fire. This has been the Small Business Surgeon Podcast. If you've made it this far, you clearly like it. So go on iTunes and leave us a five-star review. This helps people find the show and spread the good word. Share with friends and follow us at Small Business Surgeon on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you for your follow-up next week.